How are we doing? All right. Everybody okay? Very, very good. And action. Do you know, I was really struck as we were worshipping the Lord together. As we were just ministering in that sense of the grace of God. You know, as we were singing Amazing Grace. uh, That we have a God who has emptied himself uh, on behalf of a stricken world that has, has run out of answers long ago. And yet his heart and desire is longing, absolutely longing, to see it restored, to see people in their own lives enjoying the place of safety and security that um, everybody longs for, to see homes and families and relationships as places which are a haven to be to see communities and neighborhoods that are at one with each other, where there's no dysfunction, where generations are actually um, building each other, building each other up, where there's a sense of rest and peace. And um, it's because God loves people. And... He has, not only is it a longing, but he has also, he has done what is needful to bring it about. And so the good good news is that there is a king who has put in place everything that was needed to reconcile things to God. King Jesus. So this kingdom that we speak of is a kingdom... Of grace. It's a kingdom that reflects the nature of the king. And that's the kingdom that we're about. And uh, as we said as we were breaking bread, part of our proclamation when we break bread is that the king is coming back. He's coming as the king of kings. There will be no denying who at that time in history is the Lord of all. I look forward to that day because uh, it will be a consummation of everything that has been leading in that direction through history. And so when we speak about being kingdom builders, it's that kingdom that we're after. It's not an impersonal kingdom, but it's one that has Jesus as its head. And when we speak about empire, we're talking about really anything which is less than that. Anything which is based on our interest rather than his. It's quite simple really, isn't it? So this morning, what I want to do is just to remind us a little bit about uh, where it is that we're going, but why we're doing it. So um, we are, if you like, restating the vision of being kingdom builders. And last week, if you remember, Mark outlined something of the strategy for being able to say, this, this time that we have together is good and it's a vital part of our fellowship and our life. But we want to um, rebalance that so that the, um, the life that we live and that we're enjoying here is something that we're exporting to the places where we are. And that that emphasis is going to have three ingredients that we spoke about 
regarding 2012. So number one is about living local. Number two is about prayer. And number three is about doing good. It's not rocket science, is it? But you'll find all of those things um, will be a feature of where it is that we're going. So um, that's what I want to do this morning, is just to take us into that a little bit deeper. Uh, Sarah, if I could have the next one, please. You remember last time and previously in some of the prophetic prayer gatherings that we've had, uh, this picture was communicated to us about the, the large ship which had everything on it, um, but there were loads of people in the, in the water round about. The only problem was that the people in the water couldn't get onto the ship because it was too big and the sides were too high. And in this vision that was communicated, there were lots and lots of smaller boats that were accessible to ordinary people. They could reach into and allow people to get on board and to... Um, yeah, to be saved from what they were in. And it's that kind of picture that we have where I guess the, you know, the big ship, the, the big all singing, all dancing stuff is something which uh, may be great for us, but you know, for a lot of folks who are in the world setting that we're trying to reach, uh, it's just inaccessible. But in our smaller groupings, we can really make a difference. Uh, Now, those small boats that you see in that picture there are going to be all sorts of different shapes and sizes, um, but they're going to have some common ingredients. And if you remember, Mark changed the metaphor last week, and he went to this mixing bowl. Now, um, all of those smaller groupings that we're talking about are going to have these kind of common ingredients. So, first of all, we talked about being relational. Um, it's to do with being connected with each other. Somebody said that, you know, it's only possible humanly to have a certain number of deep relationships. And that's true, isn't it? We know that instinctively. So what we want is, is to be able to say, let's, let's connect those people where we can really work this life of God through at a deep level. Secondly, we're going to be Uh, And this, I'll come to in a bit more depth shortly. But we want these different groupings, whatever shape and size they are, to be characterized by prayer. I won't say any more about that now because it's what I'm going to speak about today. Thirdly, that um, as we've done this morning in a bigger gathering, to be able to, if I can put this, to be able to give audience to the Christ through the breaking of bread and wine that it becomes part of our fellowship life together and that we are starting to understand in more depth and more um, intimately the nature of what it was that Jesus instructed us to do so we'll be breaking bread and wine together Um, the next one we talked about teaching and discipleship that basically that we want Uh, for these places or these groupings to be times where there's scope just to investigate the word together, to share the word, to chew it over, and really to disciple one another. Next one, please, Sarah. 
Um, the groupings, as we've already said, with an emphasis on what's beyond our boundaries, the communities that we live in. Next one. Um, that says responsibility ahead. It was a way just of being able to communicate a sense of being, making ourselves accountable within this network of relationships that we are having that there's an accountability and that we are able, because of that, to be able to enable one another to grow and to mature and become more like the Christ that we speak of. And lastly, honour, excuse me, honour. Um, that in all of our working together, in our relationships with people, in our localities, not just in the church, but that we carry in our sense, our heart, a sense of we value each other and we value other people as people that God has loved and given himself for so those are some of the common ingredients if I go to the next one Sarah and Mark used the image of, uh, of the cake if you mix all those kind of ingredients together what, what comes out is something deliciously chocolatey um, and what we're going to do over these next few weeks is explore some of these individual ingredients together so that we can make them practical and help us to understand a bit more about what they actually mean in practice. And this week, what we're going to talk about is the element of prayer. And <clears throat> rather than uh, talking about method, what I want to do is I want us to catch a, a vision uh, for prayer, whether it's in twos and threes or whether it's in a, a bigger setting. Um, and how it is that God responds when we do things his way. I want us to go to a couple of scriptures. So if we could go to the next one, Sarah. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure whether you can see that. Um, but I'm just going to read this passage from 2 Chronicles 7, one which will be very familiar and which is often read um, in relation to times of um, seeking God for a nation or whatever it is. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and I'm going to read verses 11 to 16 from the New International Version. <clears throat> for our Farsi friends, have you got that? 2 Chronicles 7, yeah? Very good. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. 
my eyes and my heart will always be there. Uh, The context for that passage is this, that Solomon was fulfilling a vision that God had given to his father David and he had built a place for the presence of God right at the heart of the nation of Israel. And Solomon has just dedicated the house of God and this that we've just read, this is the Lord's response. Now you'll notice that it actually contains four ifs and three promises. If my people will humble themselves, if they will pray, if they'll seek my face and turn. And the three promises, I will hear, I will forgive, I will heal. Folk, we have an amazing calling because God, I believe, is actually laying hold of us as his people and saying to us, if you will simply empty yourself, empty yourself of your own concerns and your own stuff and you will put me first, if you will pray, if you will seek my face, if you will turn away from, as we were hearing earlier, if you just turn away from that stuff which is doing you no good, then something amazing begins to happen. God says, I will hear. I will hear. I will forgive. (laughs) Forgive me. And I will heal. Now, we're looking at an Old Testament passage where there was a physical building that had just been offered to God and where God responds and there's a big up national celebration going on. But under the new covenant, I believe that these promises have been upgraded. So rather than there being a physical temple, God now has a house made of living stones. He promises to have open eyes and attentive ears whenever prayer is raised from this house. Folks, we are part of this house. God has a house. It's called the church. And we as a congregation, as a family, we are part of this house. And he says, whenever prayer is raised from this house, My eyes are open and my ears are listening. Can you imagine it, if I can be so bold, that God is leaning into, waiting, waiting for the the merest prayer to come from our lips in order that he can respond and work with what he already intends to do. If we will take responsibility for our land with humility prayer seeking God and with hearts that are turned to him his promise is that he will hear he will forgive and he will heal
The reason is because it's what he has always wanted to do. Do you know, when God looks at our nation or looks at the nations of the world and he sees them in such a desperate, lost condition, it says that his his eyes are looking throughout the earth to see whose hearts are completely his so that he can strengthen them. He's looking for those who will come, who will stand in the gap, who will bear this, yeah, who will bear this nation before the throne of God because he longs to do it good. And what have we as the church been doing? So often, frittering ourselves on stuff that really doesn't count. I mean, you can all imagine some of the things I might say, but um, one has to say, he has been searching for people's hearts who are aligned with his, who are seeking the good of human society. If I mention words like wholeness, well-being, justice, doesn't that sound to you quite like the kingdom coming? He urges us to pray, doesn't he? Your kingdom come. That's what we're about. So part of our call in this season that we're entering into, in building the kingdom, is to give ourselves to pray. And hear me now. I'm not stipulating how it's done, when it's done, who does it. I'm just saying, just let's get a vision to pray. Because there's a nation that's depending on it. I'd like to go to another scripture, and this is in Isaiah, chapter 56. I'm going to read verses 1 to 7, and the, um, the slide flips on to the next one. So, Sarah, I'll need you to be attentive. Isaiah 56, verses 1 to 7. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand. And my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him to love the name of the Lord and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, there I will bring to my... Sorry, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house... My house will be called 
a house of prayer for all nations. What a beautiful picture God is giving of the house of God being this place which becomes a home for those who have nothing, those who have no future, no status, no legacy, no name, no identity. In other words, the excluded and the not-haves, God says, I will bring them into my house. I will bring them into my house and there they will find joy. God is hes reversing all of those things that degrade and destroy people and he's giving them the upside. He's, he's causing them, who may be right now looking up that valley and seeing the storm and the weather coming in their direction. And he turns them around and says, Look, look at those sunlit valleys. Look at those. Look at that blue sky. This house. Why does he call it a house of prayer? I believe it's because he, he intends this to be a house of prayer. Or a house where prayer is continually offered for the land. For the land and those who live on it. Our land. So he's making a place of welcome. And he's also saying it's to be a house where prayer continually rises in order that my plan can be fulfilled. I want to contrast it just with something that Jesus encountered. We go to the next slide. Contrast this with what the temple had become in Jesus' day. Matthew and the other Gospels show us Jesus entering the temple area and getting radical. He was incensed by how God's house was being trashed. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Or, as John has it, in the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves and others, sitting at tables and exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His disciples remembered that it's written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus, consumed with indignation and passion for the house of God, his house of prayer. I just want to say, God forgive us for turning the house of God into a market. For satisfying our own self-serving and man-pleasing desires. But God says, turn. If ever that has been part of our culture, then let's just repent. Let's just turn and say, God, this is not about us. This is about you. 
because it's my house, my house of prayer. And wouldn't it be great? I, I'm looking forward to this. When I see the people of God across the city consumed with the same sort of passion as Jesus for the house of God. Let me just, um, I, I, I just want to give a few kind of encouragements really to say that when we turn ourselves in this direction that God is after, all kinds of things start to happen. And I just want to give a few examples of where we're finding that stuff, stuff happens that you just kind of think, wow, that, that had to be God. So um, first of all, just starting here, right on our home base, that our own times of prayer have led in the last five months, I believe, to a whole new flow of the prophetic. Um, as much as we've tried to pray about our stuff, we never get to it, do we? Those of you who've been there. Um, we always end up praying beyond ourselves, whether it's about the city or some aspect of, of life. But God has just not allowed us to be inward looking. We've had angelic messengers who caused us to raise our expectation of the impact of our praying. To recognize that when we speak, something changes because God hears. He is attentive. Uh, Mark and I were blessed, um, I mentioned it last week, but just the week before that, to be at this uh, conference called Gather, um, where we heard so many stories that encouraged us that prayer, honest, humble, end-of-self type prayer, is meeting favor, and it's giving birth to all kinds of movements that are, are changing the face of communities. Uh, I heard just on when was it Wednesday this week about uh, the church in Chesterfield, who, and I say the church, I don't mean a church, I mean the church in Chesterfield, um, who went to the uh, the council and they said we would like please some space some office space to be able to organize organize ourselves to do the things that we want to do in this town and um the the council said to them uh yes we would like to do that but we want you to come here into the town hall because we see and this was their words we see a holy trinity that's going to change the life of this town. The council, the police, and the church. And they were saying, please come and be based where we are so that together we can change our town. Do you know, just one little example. Um, you know, street pastors is one of those things that is working uh, across the nation, you know, it's happening in so many centres, sometimes known as street angels, where, where people just go out on the, you know, weekend nights when kids are out binge drinking and all that sort of stuff. Literally rescuing people and helping people to get home, find their shoes, you know, not get involved in fights, avoiding having to go to A&E, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, in Chesterfield, last Christmas... The number of recorded incidents compared to the Christmas before had 
fallen by 50% because of the activity of the street pastors. Now, the world is actually going, wow, you did that. But do you see what I mean? That there's, there's, something, there's something flowing out of a selfless kind of praying that's finding a unity across towns and which is being recognized and finding favor amongst those who, if you like, are, quotes, the governing authorities. Um, let me give you another one. I read this just this week. Um, it's from a book called Heal the Land by um, some guys down in Stoke who have been working like this for um, a couple of decades now, but they've really found that there was a whole new impetus came at the beginning of the last decade. Um, and they were talking about um, prayer. So on, on Wednesday, 31st of March, we were visited by Sue Sinclair, who leads an initiative in Liverpool called DrugsNet. Uh, through DrugsNet, Sue and her network of friends pray regularly about the issue of drug abuse in and around Merseyside. They also keep in touch with the police to offer support and encouragement to them. During her visit, Sue mentioned publicly the major issue of drugs arriving in Liverpool, destined for the North Staffordshire area. In response to Sue's comments, and that this was a, a regular prayer gathering, a cross-congregational prayer gathering, we prayed together at the meeting about the situation. One week later, on Thursday, the 8th of April, £35 million worth of cannabis resin was discovered in containers at the docks in Liverpool. And as a result, seven people were arrested, one from Warsaw, one from Liverpool, and five from Stoke-on-Trent. If we think that prayer doesn't change things, we need to start thinking again. But those kind of stories are repeated over and over, and I had loads of them. Uh, while we were at the conference. Um, those of you who've come across the grace outpouring, there's some of that stuff I really love. This one. If you've not get it, not read it, get it. Um, by Roy Godwin. Um, runs a little centre down in the west of Pembrokeshire. And uh, in response, they're praying. This, the place where they are, really remote, um, but the, the river that ran through the valley had been dry for literally over a hundred years, I believe. And one day, unaccountably, um, the river started running again. And the water table was literally rising. So this spring that had watered the valley previous centuries was now started again. And in fact, the Environment Agency and the National Park Authority um, actually convened to meet at their little centre to discuss what to do because this was such an unusual thing. But you see, uh, prayer not only touches people, it also touches the land. Farmers in that area were reporting record levels of produce in their harvest. I love that. Imagine what what that would be like. Houses of prayer is one of those kind of labels that some of you will have come across as being something that's current, um, have been set up around the country, and I just want to say, bless it, God. Um, But what we're talking about at the moment, we're not talking about um, a model. 
I just want to say, let's be inspired by what other people are doing. But let's not say this is a model. But rather what we're talking about, this is a way of being church that I believe that God is saying to us, here, do you want to recover it? Do you want to pick this up? And I believe that we will. There's word has been over this church for literally decades that a mantle of prayer will rest on us. It's come and it's gone. But I believe God is saying, will you allow it to come and remain? Because when you do, then you will find that the Almighty responds in ways you never thought possible. So, what, um, I'll just say, what's the take-home point about all this? Uh, in Jeremiah 29, you'll probably all be able to quote me a verse from Jeremiah 29. It's one that starts, I know the plans I have for you. Um, but we often quote that verse out of context, don't we? Because uh, just a little bit earlier on, verse 7, God says to Jeremiah, he says, Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city where I shall send you. For I know the plans I have for you. So what's he asking the people to do? Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. So my take-home point is this. Whenever you are with another believer this week, whether it's in ones, twos, whether it's in your life groups, wherever it is, take time just to begin. Just begin to pray and seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Just build it in to your normal interactions. If, if you're meeting over coffee in, you know, Cafe Nero or something like that, do it there and enjoy it and think, what, can God, what will God do if I just release this right now? Um, we're going to take the last few minutes... And um, we're going to do something very practical here, uh, just to kind of give this a bit of legs. Uh, if we could go on to the last slide there. You'll know this, I think. It's the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. In fact, yeah, just pray with me, would you? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Let's just pray for our city, can we? Together. Father, I thank you that we're here because you called us here. And I thank you, Lord, that that has divine purpose upon it. And Father, we pray for the peace and the prosperity of our city. Lord, we pray for its communities to flourish. Lord, we pray for its homes and families to thrive. We pray, Father, for its children and its young people, that they may grow, that they may be safe and secure, 
that they may fulfill everything, Lord, that you put into them. Father, we pray for the organs of government. Lord, we pray for the civic authorities. Father, we ask you, let righteousness and justice flow like a river. We pray, God, for the name of Jesus to be exalted in this city. And in praying for the city, Lord, we pray for your church in this place. And we say, Lord, let there come a level uh, of expressed unity that this city has never seen before. Let it come and let it remain. Let there be an expression and a voice of the life of God that changes this city permanently. We pray in Jesus' name. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.